You're listening to Below the Bible Belt, but before we begin, we have a special message from this month's sponsor, Morton's House of Bees, 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 Bees. Yes, located in Honeycomb, Alabama, Morton's House of Bees, Bees, Bees. Matt, it's Bees, 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 Bees. They were very specific in that email they sent. Point is, if you're a fan of bees, you need to check this place out. Now, if you're anything like me, you've got a busy schedule. You don't have time to go to the fancy pet stores for your bee supplies or to order bees online. No, all you have to do with Morton's House of Bees, 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 Bees is pick up the phone, schedule an appointment, go down there, you walk in, you don't have to talk to anybody because nobody works there. It's just an abandoned building filled with bees. You open up a jar, you wave it around, you've got your bees for the next month. There's no cost. How many bees you can catch is how many you get to keep. And you don't have to worry about buying any kind of expensive beekeeper's costume or bringing your EpiPen along. Because here's the thing, whenever you schedule the appointment, they inform the bees not to attack. Whatever you do, do not walk into Morton's house of bees, 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 bees without scheduling an appointment. Try not to wear anything with the flower on it, because that just that triggers it. If you do not schedule an appointment, Morton's house of bees, 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 bees cannot be held accountable for the behavior of the bees. We've lost too many people who didn't follow the rules, guys. So be smart, or else you'll end up in the walls like so many others have. Even if you do schedule an appointment, please inform your friends and loved ones that you are making a trip to Morton's house of bees, 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 bees. If you have any sort of legal resources, make out a will because you want to make sure your loved ones are well cared for when you're wasting away in that honeycomb. Do not worry about giving Morton's house of bees, 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 bees your credit card information. Morton's house of bees, 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 bees will get their payment. God help your soul if you go. Proud sponsor of Below the Bible Belt. All right, here it comes. Sorted confessions of two men with nothing in common but an accent. I am James. And I am Matt. So, Matt, we were originally going to record last night, but we had a little bit of trouble before we could sit down, and that was you informed me just hours before our designated recording period that your brother PJ was currently embroiled in a neck and neck tournament for the video game Rocket League. Yes. Um he apparently, much to my surprise, is gotten pretty good at that game um for those of you not in the know it's i call it car soccer <laughs> you look at it that's what it is it's just people it's a video game where people play cars that play soccer um i'm fascinated i've i've, I've often asked him the world in which this game exists the world build how do they come up with this technology who are these people watching it are they cars like the movie cars or are there people inside the cars you know and if they are cars that raises a whole bunch of questions about sentient life in this world and where are the humans is this how they elect the president? <laughs> they should. Is this like rollerball? Is this some kind of <laughs> deadly game being played in a dystopian future? 
to distract the populace from the real problems. Or if you've seen the crampy sequel, it's just Russians. That's what they say. And so it's the uh, oppressive future. No, it's just weird Russians who like when people kill each other. Okay, I can accept that. We can all accept that. Ah, oh, Matt, can you and I be Rocket League freedom fighters who, like, crash the tournament with signs and say, Uncover the truth! Rocket League is a lie! That might be hard because it's, you know, a fictional game. There are mods, Matt. There are mods. This is the internet. He's actually, I don't know if he still is, last time he talked about it, uh, he was somewhere in the top 100. I know, that blew my mind. You said he was uh, thinking of going into Twitch streaming, giving us the PJ Johnson experience. He streams a little, not much. But um, The fact that he streams anywhere is astounding to me. (laughs) I want to watch PJ play video games so badly. He won't have a mic on, unfortunately. (laughs) They cannot hear my voice. I'm glad, because... Let me tell you, his, where he plays is right down the hall from where. And my brother usually, like, he's he's got a temper and stuff. As we've talked about, you know, fuck your couch, fuck your headset, fuck your way of life. But yeah, when he plays Rocket Rocket League, he tends to swear like a sailor, <laughs> and which is a problem because he leaves the windows open. <laughs> uh, and we have a lot of old people who live nearby. And I swear, we we told him either close the window or shut up because we don't want the cops coming into our house. They can, there's a domestic dispute going on. What kind of rocket games are you playing in this house, boy? <laughs> but since we've said something, he seems like he has toned down. He still gets mad, but he doesn't. God damn it! Every so often I hear that, you know, you fucking kidding me. It's like the the McEnroe of Rocket League. I like it. Which is, although he got mad at me last night because he said he had a tournament and he said if it ran late, it ran late like nine, and that was the time we were supposed to get on. So I said, okay, and I told you about it. Now we might be late, and you said, well, we'll just do it tomorrow. I told him that, and he said, what? He said, I, I decided not to not to do my tournament. I'm going to get on with James. And it was like the whole gift of the Magi situation. So we both missed out in the end. And we were not better for it, like in that short story. Oh, Henry was a liar, James. Now I want so badly for there to be an episode of Blow the Bible Belt where, faintly in the background, you can hear PJ, God damn it. <laughs> Motherfuck, <laughs> son of a god fucking damn piece of shit, motherfucker. Asshole, piece of fucking fuck this goddamn video game. Um, we'd have to, I'd have to use my, my laptop for that because we, we share the same computer. Um, when it comes time to record stuff, because my laptop's a piece of shit when it comes to Skype and things like that. He doesn't want to run laptop on his game. But, um, I would, I would definitely buy a whole nother computer just for the off chance. And we could throw him in the background of an episode. Just to have him occasionally chining in, like, Fuss's wife. Son of a whore. That, that, that actually brings up a good point, James. But yeah, it was alright. We, we, we rescheduled. I just feel bad that I denied PJ his prize belt. He wouldn't have won. Don't feel too bad. Oh, way to be a total Mickey about it. You're a bum, PJ. You think your Rocket League is gonna put food on this table? You're breaking your mother's heart! Why are you making me chase chickens? It's a video game. Shut up! Eat this raw egg. That's all we have to eat tonight. It has nothing to do with that, Rocket League. That came from the chicken that you chased down. That's how we eat, have dinner. You gotta taste the fear, boy. Um, moving away from PJ and his Rocket League shenanigans, tonight we both have stories of skullduggery at our place of business. Because with every month, there's a 50-50 chance that one or both of us was embroiled in some kind of web of deception in the various convenience stores we work at. Um, I would say you more so, because as I've talked about, up until recently, I've noticed that the ratio to crazy people you encounter is a lot higher than the ratio to crazy people 
I've encountered. I've encountered a few recently. Yeah, but I'm a veteran. There was a lady a couple months ago who was handing out slips of paper that had Bible verses on it that proved that the world was going to end in the next 30, 30 hours, I think is what you said. Um, and like I said, that was five months ago, so no dice there. Well, you were saved at the very last minute by a goat sacrifice. Um, then there was the lady who came in and told us that the state of South Carolina had killed her husband. Um, not because he was in prison or on death row or anything, just apparently the state had assassinated him. Like the entire state? Like you were in on it? I guess. Um, that's what I, 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 I resisted the urge to walk around the store following her like with my hand in my finger. <laughs> she knows. She, and she, I love the, the, when she, she didn't buy anything. She hung around the store for 10 minutes. We watched her. And she said, I didn't steal anything because I'm from South Carolina. And she walked out. She, cause apparently people from South Carolina speaking as South Carolinian. Uh, there's a code of honor. I like their idea of there being an unspoken code of the Carolinas. South Carolina. Don't throw in North Carolina. It was just a, a den of scum and villainy, apparently. Apparently, they can't trust people in bathrooms in North Carolina. Well, that's always been the case. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was checking a lady out, and she said, Here, you look like you need this. And she gave it to me. And I received a book, James. And I will take some pictures and send them to you for the cover. Sort of like, a, I'm going to take a picture with me holding the book. It's like a proof of life type of thing. <laughs> I did not make this up. Well, thank you for giving us our image for the episode. Um, <laughs> this book is called Breaking the Bondage of Addictions. Uncontrollable Anger, Drugs Slash Alcohol, Irrational Thinking, and Sexual Sins. Oh, that had me up until that last one. And James, this book is amazing. Um, first off, it is two, almost 200 pages of giant type print. <laughs> like, I'm talking like old people without glasses could be able to read this book. Well, right. I know that whenever I'm recovering from my massive sex slash anger slash booze bender, I can barely read, so I really appreciate that. Now, I want to read you some excerpts from this book. Uh, the first excerpt I want to read is they've got the pledge, the prayer that we all need in our lives is a prayer for dealing with lust. I'm all ears. Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I have given in to sexual sins and lust which wage war against my soul. Amen. I thank you that in Christ my sins are forgiven. I renounce the lie of Satan that my body is not clean or is dirty as a result of my past sexual experiences. Preach on. I come <laughs> uh, before your presence to acknowledge these sins. Mm -hmm. I now ask you to reveal to my mind the ways that I have given ground to Satan by sexual sins. I acknowledge my sin of blank, one, <laughs> adultery. Two, premarital sex. Three, pornography magazines. Four, it's multiple choice. Evil, lustful movies. Five, evil, lustful thoughts, deeds, or desires. And you just insert one, or as many as you're guilty of. I, my takeaway with that is, what exactly constitutes an evil, lustful movie? Like, are we talking about Last Tango in Paris? Again, I, I when it comes to things like that, I prescribe actually to the... Uh, the pornography rule that the Supreme Court said, I can't describe pornography, but I know it when I see it. And that's how I go. Um, that's how you go for Satan. I don't <laughs> organize them horns. I see it. But after I've acknowledged my insert sin here, I claim the blood of Jesus Christ for full forgiveness. First John 1, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 19, quote, if we confess our sins, he is faithful just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, please take back the ground that I have given to Satan. Help me to forsake this evil way. Thus, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen, brother. Insert sin here. Can I please get a t-shirt that says, insert sin here? <laughs> now, would it have an arrow pointing towards your face? Uh, I'd like to think it would come with like a little magnetic arrow that you can place anywhere you want on the shirt. you got to be equal opportunity with these things. So yeah, most of this book is just the... 
the, the stuff that you see a lot, these things. But it's one page in particular that struck me. It's an editorial, James. On page 155, you'll see um, it's written by a young man named Nick Lancet. I just like the idea that it's an editorial, so it's not officially condoned by the staff at that leaflet. Now, here's where you, you may ask, who's Nick Lancet? They have a bio for him. Nick Lancet has provided leadership and training for hundreds of Russian young people who have recently <laughs> come to Christ. He has observed firsthand in the Russian culture the devastation that rock music is having on the nation. <laughs> and just look, his editorial is titled, quote, How Christian Rock Was No Alternative to Secular Rock. Now, I agree on that in principle. I agree on the title. Christian Rock is no alternative to secular rock. And his editorial starts. From inside my house, I could hear the music playing outside. I knew my friends had arrived to take me to football practice. As we drove, I could hardly hear myself speak to the volume of the rock music. It seemed to create a wild, unrestrained atmosphere that drowned out the voice of better judgment. At the time, I wondered how my friends could be so committed to such obnoxious music, yet I did not realize that there were similar desires developing in my own life. Although I did not care for their brand of rock music, I began to listen to my own. I believed that it was simply a form of entertainment. However, I did not recognize the path of destruction on which it was leading. Many times I would listen to my favorite songs over and over again. And I was unconsciously developing a habit of worship and sensuality. Sensuality, James! This stirring up of lust within me began to corrupt the thoughts of my heart and weaken my natural inhibitions. Soon, these new fleshy values became the basis of many decisions in my life. As my thoughts were held hostage by the relentless desire engaged through this quote-unquote innocent entertainment, I began to realize the grave danger in which I had brought my spiritual life. About this time, I heard some messages that warned about the evils of rock music and I knew I had to make commitments to stop listening to and even desiring this sort of music. Not long after this, the Lord gave my father and me the opportunity to spend some time together at a seminar on biblical principles. The truth of God's word, which we were presented with, began to confront the false ideals I accepted, and agreeing with God, I began to tear down the strongholds of my soul. This was the beginning of my new spiritual growth and a strengthened relationship with my father, which afforded a new ability to stand alone as a teenager. Note... Nick's experience with rock music confirms the truth of the following quotation, Sin is a monster of such awful men. And just imagine, all of that being said, by Ivan Drago. <laughs> I, my first reaction was, okay, I'm glad they got the bad guy from Footloose to write Ed Porter. <laughs> That's how it started with him. But, I, like I said, I'm completely tempted to just send this to you, James. Oh, believe me, I have those. Oh, you have sins and wicked desires? Well, you need to cure them with this book. Well, no, I have pamphlets similar to that. This is adorable. You got your first pamphleteer. I've been getting those for years. Well, how about this? This is my first non-Jehovah's Witness pamphleteer. God damn it, Alex. Yeah, how many watch towers I get? Alex has put me on the mailing list somewhere. Um, and on the back, um, I think the lady who gave me the book is on the back. Uh, she's part of something called the Keller family, which is, they're very creepy looking. There's about nine people. One, two guys, seven girls. They're all dressed like sailors. What? Well, the women are all dressed like sailors. The guys have like ties and stuff. That doesn't make it better. Also, let me ask you this, Matt. Have you ever seen anyone handing out pamphlets who did not look creepy? Um, you know, now that you think about it, no. I don't even like the free sample ladies at work. But, uh, yeah, this is, this is something else. I've been showing it to everyone who gets a chance. I think accidentally by my, uh, making fun of it, I've actually accidentally spread the word. You become part of their propaganda, Matt. And that's why I am changing my name to Keller, <laughs> moving to the Freedom and Truth Ministry in Florida. Of course it's Florida. I like at the end, they've got their address, please pray for us. No, that's not what you do. 
you've got to play for other people. God helps those who help themselves, right? So Yeah, boy. That, that does raise the question. Like, I know you said that as a joke, but seriously, there has to have been at least one person out there who has joined a cult, ironically. I know. I feel like I would do that. You know, oh my god, this this, this is the, like the best religion ever. <laughs> and then I'm on the news for accidentally poisoning myself. Yeah, I'll drink the Kool-Aid, sure. Oh my god, it's actually poison. No! Funniest death ever. Um, before I move on from this book, let me see if there's anything good on the back. They have a little bio about uh, the, fam- the Keller family. Uh, they have supplied books free of charge, about 95,000 books. My God, there's 94,999 more copies of this thing. Jesus, and we have to hunt them all down by the end of the season finale. <laughs> so, yeah, this is – I've only had recent brush with crazy. But you, my friend, or if there were like a, a Hall of Fame for interactions with crazy people, I feel like you would be on the first ballot. So I know this. During this entire story, all I could think was, ho, 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 welcome to my world. That that takes me back to the to the good old days of Winn-Dixie. How many crazy people did you actually run into Winn-Dixie? Because I'm sort of convinced that a lot of your stories, the thing that seems to be, they all seem to have in common is the fact that it's Walmart. I'm like, pretty sure if I worked at a Walmart, I would run into plenty of crazy people, too. Oh, we got plenty of crazy people in Winn-Dixie. This is Sims, Alabama, after all. We got, we got plant, pamphleteers there with their weird... Uh, vaguely Illuminati-themed predictions about the end of the world. It's it's kind of just something you kind of have to accept when you live in this part of the country. Like I have started a collection of chick tracts that I found littered throughout Walmart, like Easter eggs in a video game. I don't think a quarter goes by without me stumbling onto at least one of them, and they're all delightful. Not to back up the subject, but you're talking crazy people at Winn-Dixie. The pamphleteers and stuff, and you also ran into your old friend, the Nimrod guy, before you knew he was a Nimrod guy. That is true. Before he was actually fully Nimrod, the priest. That was his uh, secret origin, trying to find that Hot Wheels treasure hunt. There is a Hot Wheels guy that comes in our store, but he's not uh, crazy. He's just an asshole. <laughs> he doesn't understand that we're Dollar General that gets in Hot Wheels once every six months. Here's the thing. The guy works at another Dollar General. He doesn't realize this. Maybe he works at a fancier Dollar General. Did you ever think about that, Matt? No, he works at a horrible Dollar General. This is the one he works at. Is like if Dollar General opened up a store in Somali, Somalia, <laughs> this would be this Dollar General. Like it's ran by pirates? <laughs> it looks like it's ran by pirates. His clientele are very pirate-ish. You know how many pig – like they have an accommodation for pig lady. Why do I just imagine you walking in there with like a box cutter and going up to the manager and saying, look at me, look at me, I'm the general now. You actually mentioned, like, that was pretty much it, like, my own work story was, because, again, I think, I don't, I tend to, the times I run to crazy people, I say, okay, good, whatever, bye-bye, I don't want to talk to you. Look, just don't steal anything, and don't cause a scene in the store. Don't do this shit in my store. And I won't call the cops, so just leave as soon as you can. But me, I just seem to cultivate the crazy, like, some kind of unintentional cult leader. Oh my god, James, you found your calling. I know, we were talking about people ironically joining cults. I would be the one dude who would accidentally start a cult. Uh-huh. Like, I'm just cultivating all of these crazy people, and they get to know each other, and they decide this whole James thing is an awesome idea. Next thing I know, I'm being worshipped as Christ. Just a bunch of, like, like 30 people who shave receding hairlines into their heads and walk on their tiptoes and wear, like, Walmart khakis and the blue shirt. And then I would, I would, of course, be assassinated tragically, and then the church would take over the world in my honor. If you need a first apostle, I mean, I'm not doing anything. Isn't that pretty much what this show is? The Gospels of James and Matt? 
I mean, they are listed as books. If anything, I felt like if you're God, I'd be the devil, you know. That does make a lot of sense. You, you do cause me a lot of editing problems. And so, as, as the tiny tender lord said to the devil, you know, do this, he's like, fuck you, stupid bullshit. And he was banished out. Well, if you read uh, the early books of the Bible, the only real sin that Satan displays is not wanting to go along with anything. Yeah, free will, questioning God, I mean. Is that the whole reason he gave us free will, James? If he did indeed give us free will, was he question things? And so you're going to get punished for doing what you were given the right to do? Uh, I'm just kidding. Satan's not in the Bible. There is something in the... Well, what about, like, the book of Job? And technically, Satan, as we know him, does not appear in the Bible. There isn't a figure called Satan who appears in the book of Job, but it's never explained who the fuck that is. So Christianity just sort of fan-fictioned this idea of a fallen angel who becomes the arch-nemesis of God and is a hideous goat man. Right, Milton is pretty much where... Milton and Dante is where we get our modern-day conceptions of the devil and hell. Well, here's something I find fascinating. The Christian dogma that Satan is actually Lucifer, a fallen angel who was cast out of heaven for an attempted coup, actually comes from the Koran. No! That's that Muslim speak. <laughs> the devil's advocate. But yeah, uh, you had the story, James? Yeah, I had a curious visitor of my own at Walmart recently, and this happened last week. And I'm going to warn you, this story starts out really funny and then nosedives so fucking fast. So be prepared to go, ah, 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 oh, dear God. I'm strapped in. I'm prepared for mood whiplash. So, about a week ago, I was closing in the electronics department, and it was just me and our one wireless associate, and they're the people who handle things like the contract phones and stuff like that. And it was about 30 minutes until I was supposed to leave, and all of a sudden, an old man approaches me, pulls out his cell phone, and says, Do you understand what he's talking about? And I'm like, uh, who? And he shows me his phone and shows these text messages he's received. And he says, he wants me to get these things, and I don't know what they are. Do you understand this? So I read the text messages, and it's very clear that these messages are from somebody who either doesn't speak English very well or is 14. Because there are some very profound grammatical and spelling errors here. And basically what he tells him is, okay, I need you to buy something for me. I need you to go to Walmart. When you walk into Walmart, text me back and I'll tell you exactly what I need you to do. I see him reply, what is this for? And his reply is, I'm recording an African beat for my next album and I need an iPad, an iPhone, and an iLaptop. So, this is a scam, right? I feel like I'm, I've got the feeling that this is a scam. Uh, I don't want to run over, jump to conclusions, James, but... That was my immediate thought, mainly because an iLaptop isn't a thing. Well, that's what, like, someone with bad grammar likes. Don't mess with that laptop. That is iLaptop. <laughs> so, I, my first immediate thought is, is this some kind of hostage situation? Because it sounds like a text someone would receive while they're being told to rob a bank. Give the iLaptop or I die. I mean... They die. So I asked this gentleman, who is an older man. He's, like, maybe in his 70s. Which is impressive if he's texting. I know. And I say, um, duh, who, who are you getting this for? And he says, Tim McGraw. 
<laughs> oh, well, of course. I mean, who hasn't gotten a late night text with Tim McGraw? Like, hey, man, make a new album. I need your help. And I say, oh, um, Tim McGraw? Yes, Tim McGraw. You know the country singer? Oh, uh, okay. Uh, um, you you know Tim McGraw? Yes, I do. I've known him for a year now. I take care of things for him. I'm like, oh, uh, uh okay. Well, look, okay. This is obviously a scam, but I mean, if Tim McGraw had a fixer, you know, this would be kind of the kind of shit he'd be doing. Well, that's the bad thing. In my head, I was thinking this is a scam. But there is a 20% chance this is actually Tim McGraw, because it's Tim McGraw. That is how Tim McGraw would text. (laughs) It's all funny games, and the next thing you know, you know, you're listed as, you know, a producer on Tim McGraw's latest African album. So he turns to our wireless associate and starts filling out, like, an application for an iPhone. And I take another look at his text, and it says... Whenever you get the iPhone, make sure you pay for it, they get your credit card information, and the contract is put under your name. So with this, I'm prompted to ask him, oh, uh, so uh, Tim McGraw's needing you to get an iPhone for him? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, so you've known Tim McGraw for a year now. Um, how do you meet a guy like Tim McGraw? Oh, he just called me out of the blue one day last year. See, I was a trucker for 30 years, and I was damn good at my job, and I guess Tim McGraw must have heard of me, because he called me and said that he wanted me to drive his tour bus for him, but first he'd have to know if I was trustworthy. I've been doing these things for him ever since. Uh, Oh, you uh, sometimes pick up items for Tim McGraw? Yep, he's damn near bankrupted me, but it's going to be fine whenever I'm driving his truck for him. So, at this point, I become desperate to save this poor old man, and... Um, and I gotta say, this is super bumming me out, but again, Tim McGraw putting someone through a series of tests to make sure he's loyal enough to drive his tour bus. Sounds very Tim McGraw to me. I could see Tim McGraw being like the shadow and having agents (laughs) all over the south. He's got, they've got a little red ring. They turn it. I like it. I love it. I want more of it. He's coming. <laughs> Just to receive a text that says, The sun is shining, but the ice is slippery. <laughs> so I'm fucking mortified. And over the next 30 minutes, I kind of sidle up to him and start poking as many holes in his story as I can to try to maybe get him to see the light. I'm like, oh, well, uh, Tim McGraw, he's, he's, he's got all this money, and he needs you to pay his iPhone bill for him. Yeah, he makes me do a lot of crazy stuff, but, I mean, <laughs> you know, that's Tim McGraw. Um, did you ask him how he was going to get the phone to Tim McGraw? I did not. Uh, see, that's, that's, what, that's the question I wanted to know, how these items... You haven't met him in person. Knowing how these scams work, because unfortunately this happens all the time, uh, it's probably a male thing. Yeah, it was either male or like some weird (laughs) dead drop. That would be terrifying. So I ask him, oh, does Tim McGraw at least uh, reimburse you for this stuff? And he jerks his head over at me and says, yeah, of course he does. What do you mean? Yeah. And it's very clear from his franticness that Tim McGraw does not pay him back for these things. And he starts sweating, like just flop sweating and stammering as I'm talking to him. Like I keep pointing out things that don't make a whole lot of sense and expressing my concern that he might be getting taken for a ride. 
And he just keeps replying with, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, uh, that's how the, that's the way these things are. Is my phone ready yet, ma'am? Is my phone ready? And that's whenever I realize that this man is at least semi-aware that this is all bullshit. But he's desperately, desperately clinging on to this lie because it's the only thing he has. So that's something that I've wondered too. Like yeah, they talk about old people, you know, older folks always get taken advantage of with schemes and stuff. And um, I've always wondered that too. Like how much of this is them um, being gullible or being stupid? You know, they're not gullible, stupid. I've, I've always wondered like how much of it is like maybe like this guy they're looking for someone to help and spend time with. You know, someone that at least seemingly cares about. Them. Well, that's how a lot of these scams operate, because I was telling this to a friend uh, the night it happened, and he was telling me, oh, yeah, you should read up on the people who actually accept the Nigerian prince scam. Those go so far that they end with them standing in an empty bank vault in Nigeria. Like, I mean, it's the thing, like, stuff like that, like, we make fun of it, but it's working. It's It's a scam that's been working since before the Internet, you know, so... People have been falling for it. People continue to fall for stuff like that. And that's where I was with this guy. I was standing face-to-face with somebody who bought the Nigerian prince scam. And it was surreal and kind of terrifying. And this entire time, I was just racking my brain and trying to think of some way I could help him. If I could like find information on one of his family members and get them to contact them, if, you know, if he had any. If I could break whatever delusion he was under somehow. But during all of this, I keep having to help with customers because I'm one of the only people there. And... I come back from helping a customer get a TV, and he's gone. I ask our wireless person what happened, and she says that his credit was denied, so he just left. Um, well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to ask, did you, you – you looked at his phone and saw the text and stuff. You weren't able to get the number that was texting the phone? I did not. It was – I was only able to interact with him in brief spurts because of having to take care of other things. That's what I was going to say. Either you could have gotten the number or notified the police. Yeah, I kind of talked out my options with people afterwards, and they were pretty much in consensus that, now there was nothing I could have done. God, that's, that's the thing that you don't expect going into retail, and I'm sure you can relate to this. That whenever you work at really any place where people come and go in mass, you will occasionally be treated to these brief glimpses into other people's lives, and more often than not, they're very, very distressing glimpses. Like, it's a dude verbally abusing his wife over the phone in the men's room. It's a mother threatening a child with violence whenever they get home. It's it's a man plotting to kill a police officer on the phone. <laughs> yeah, it's, you get these horrifying windows into other people's sadness, and you can do nothing about not, it. Not long after I started Dollar Journal, I was ringing this guy up. Um, he was a prison guard who got, like, a, a local prison at my original store that I worked at. And he was coming off duty. And I remember he had the saddest group of items I've ever seen. Very clearly, he lived by himself. Um, he bought uh, a two-liter drink, six cans of the canned sausage, like the Vienna Vienna sausages, and a copy of the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue. Oh, I remember thinking, oh, I just want to, you know, hug this guy and feel so bad for him. You know what I mean? I never saw him again. That's like the opposite of the time I had a lady show up 
at electronics buying just a pack of stockings and condoms, and it was a Monday afternoon. It's like, hell yeah. I remember there was a lady who, she like she was in her late 50s, early 60s, was asking me about condoms. I was like, go on, Grandma. <laughs> but yeah, I have. N- there have been very few moments in my life where I've felt that fucking powerless because it fucks with every instinct you have to be the good guy and help the person who is clearly in a tremendous amount of pain. And it's so frustrating when you're just crashing up against a brick wall like that. And the thing is, too, is that, you know, he's going to keep going this. He may have went down the road to the next Walmart. I assume in Alabama, Walmarts are six miles apart like they are here. Pretty much. He probably tried to do it again. And he's probably still getting How long ago was this? A week ago. So, yeah, he's probably still getting texts from Tim McGraw and stuff. And the thing that just makes my blood boil about that is I just know... Like, no, in my gut, somewhere out there, there's some jackass 16-year-old laughing his ass off with a burner phone. Thinks this is the funniest shit in the world. It's like, as a society, we're trained to accept grand acts of evil. We, We can accept rape and murder and theft and all kinds of savagery, but it's the little things that slip through the cracks that truly disturb you. That truly make you think, okay... What the hell is wrong with a person who's capable of doing this and feels no remorse? It's funny that you bring that up because about three weeks ago, I got an email from Joe Biden. Of all <laughs> Matt, I need you. And jo- Joe's like, um, look, I'm going to be in South Carolina next week. And again, this is like, all right, he wanted a car, a beer, and some blow. That very well could be Joe Biden. <laughs> Are you being serious right now? No. Oh, I was going to say. But that would be amazing. Like I said, again, that's one like the thing with Tim McGraw. Like, if out of the blue Joe Biden calls, you're like, look, bro, I need a favor. You, that sounds very much like Joe Biden. Yeah, like, no, I would believe that actually. Look, look, all I need is a couple hundred dollars. They're gonna break my legs. You don't need to know who they are. But just take care of this for me, and I'll give you a nice massage. Hey, look, you wanna, you wanna uh, be, you, you wanna be on the Senate floor? You can, you can go check out the Senate. Look, I'll let you. You give me two hundred dollars, I'll let you touch Mitch McConnell's jolly, jolly neck. It's like Jello, man. I'm sold. And that's how you became the new Secretary of Defense. Actually, it was Senate Minority Leader, but uh, that's coming next. Joe said if I pay another couple hundred dollars, I can get that. Ah, uh, things are going to be so much better. You'll be hosting I'll, this show from the White House. I will be making America great again. But it's funny you talk about politics. Politics, James. Because good lord, do I want to pull ourselves out of this tar pit of human suffering as quickly as possible. Tonight... I want to talk about a controversy that is tearing the state of Alabama asunder. This, and this is a non-Justice Roy Moore related. It's unrelated, but eerily similar. Uh, what about, is, is the sign guy involved? Once again, unrelated, similar. They finally stole all his signs. He's going on a murder spree. Now, I want you to close your eyes, Matt. We're taking a, a, a journey through my southern mind palace once more. I mean, I mean, they're closed. Yeah. Imagine a press conference. Standing behind the podium is a tall, rakish man, balding, faced like a mule. Imagine Slender Man crossed with the old guy from the Six Flags commercials. Oh, God. That's horrible, James. I want to open my eyes so bad. I can't stand this mental image. You must, Matt. <laughs> he approaches the microphone, and he proceeds to give the press the speech. 
Rebecca Caldwell Mason is my closest aide and as part of my leadership team. She does an outstanding job. She has worked with me in various capacities. In fact, she has been with me the entire time before I was elected governor. I have had several members of my leadership team right now who have been with me that length of time, and I made a mistake. Two years ago, I made a mistake. I have rectified that. I have dealt with that, and we have moved on. I'm apologizing for the things that I said, whatever's been reported. I have not heard the tape, and so I don't know what's on the tape, but I'm sure that I have at that time we... I said some inappropriate things, and I know that I did that, and so I apologize to her. I apologize to my family and to the state of Alabama. I love many members of my staff. In fact, all the members of my staff. Do I love... Do I love more than... than I do others? Than I do, you know, some more than others? Absolutely. I have apologized to my children, and I'm apologizing again. It's, it's, well, you know, we've been through a very difficult year. I have, and my wife, my ex-wife, and my children, my grandchildren, and, and Mrs. Mason has, and her family, and it's, it's just one family. It's not just one family, they're have been a lot of people who have been hurt by all this, and the entire state of Alabama has suffered this time. I have known about the... I have been told about the possibility of tapes for two years. I have never heard the tapes. I have never seen the tapes, but I have been told that for two years. Let me first say... I have stated emphatically today that I have not had a physical relationship with Mrs. Mason and at times in the past. Have I said things that I should not have said? Absolutely. That's what I'm saying today. I can't really say period of time, the, the length of time that it was over a, a period of months. I. I'm not going to say that because I'm just saying that it was a period of time in my life that that I've made inappropriate comments. Well, I, what I'm saying is there was no sexual activity. You know, let me say this. I've made mistakes. Even the most trusted person on earth makes mistakes. That's one of the greatest things in life that I feel that, that as a human being, I do make mistakes. But the most wonderful thing that I have in my life is that I truly believe that the God who loves me loves me even through the mistakes. And he uses those and he uses even difficult times in our lives like, like I've been going through. He's gonna use those to make me better and to make other people around me better and so that's that's how I look at it.
Uh, thank you. And then he left dramatically amidst a flurry of zero. Mr. Governor, Governor Bentley, Governor Bentley, Governor Bentley. You, you did a you did a great job, James. But I've got to see if you do this. I can't believe a politician who is apparently well-spoken enough to become governor would say that. Yeah, that sounds like something I would say. That is virtually verbatim. I omitted some things for time. That's the speech he gave, though. It is that incoherent. It looked like about halfway through, somebody pulled the extension cord out of his back and he just powered down. (laughs) Now, I want you to think about that speech he just gave as I read a selection from the tapes. You know what? When I stand behind you and I put my arms around you and I put my hands on your breasts and I put my hands on you and... And pull you real close. Hey, I love that too. Put my hands under you. I love you. I love to talk to you. I do. But, but baby, let me tell you what we're going to have to do tonight. Start locking the door. <laughs> if we're going to do what we did the other day, we're going to have to start locking that door. <laughs> These tapes go on for several hours, and you can listen to all of them online. I know what I'm doing today. The sex scandal between Governor Robert Bentley and his senior political advisor, Rebecca Caldwell Mason, has been all the news has been able to talk about for the past couple of months. This is our Zippergate. Granted, this is riveting stuff just based on your poorly performed excerpts. Not only is Governor Bentley accused of sleeping with his advisor, there is all kinds of weird details about this relationship and the things he's done to keep it secret have come forward. Nearly $2,000 of campaign funds were spent by Bentley just on burner phones, and that is impressive. There has been a weird uh, debate over whether or not Mason is even actually employed. Because she has not officially been on the payroll since 2013 and was allegedly receiving her money directly from the campaign and also a shady, nebulously defined nonprofit and or super PAC called AceGov. That, of course, is the name of my prog rock band. <laughs> I'm going to have to sue them. for One lawmaker came forward stating that Mason had convinced Bentley to veto two of his bills – Because when he was a professor, he had given her a really bad grade. And, most egregious of all, funds were allegedly spent on a trip to Las Vegas to see Celine Dion, where the governor was given backstage passes and christened Dion an honorary Alabamian. Uh, That's it. We don't need impeachment in prison. We need execution. He's (laughs) went too far. And what makes this... So troublesome, and something I only discovered in doing research, because I was originally just going to leave it at that. But I discovered that this sex scandal is actually a smokescreen for an even darker scandal going through Alabama politics this year. 
Now, to understand why all of this is happening to poor, beleaguered Governor Robert Bentley, we have to turn back the clock and learn about two men, Mike Hubbard and Spencer Collier. Shit. I was hoping George Wallace. I know about him. You're just looking for any opportunity to drop history. You're right, but continue. Now, back in October of 2014, Alabama House Speaker Mike Hubbard was indicted on 23 counts of mass corruption. Um, I don't want to distract you too much, but you pronounce Alabama, Alabama. Is that the official state pronunciation of the state? Yes. Alabama. If you become part of legislature, you officially become an Alabama. You're one of the people who Alabamas. Now, these charges include... Four counts of using his office as chairman of the Republican Party for gain. Two counts of using his office as a member of the House of Representatives for gain. One count of voting for legislation with a conflict of interest. Eleven counts of soliciting swag from lobbyists. Four counts of lobbying an executive department for a fee. And at least one count of using State Department equipment for private gain. Which just makes me wonder, was he, like, renting out cop cars for the weekend? <laughs> just imagine, like, him... Going down the road like a bulldozer. I've always wanted to drive a bulldozer. <laughs> Old Mother Hubbard said, fuck you. <laughs> or like something from like the National Guard, like he's got a tank from the Alabama National or a helicopter. <laughs> he's just mowing around in a tank like the governor. <laughs> Kill them all. <laughs> Vote for me. Now, I cannot stress enough how big of a deal this was for Alabama politics. Because when Hubbard was first elected in 2010, he was the first Republican Speaker of the House since the goddamn Reconstruction. Yeah, but, I mean, Southern Democrat is the same thing as a Republican, James, pretty much. But still, I mean, it is a big deal. This may not have meant a lot for politics as it's perceived by the people who actually deal with the repercussions of that shit. But for the organization of the Republican Party, this was an amazing coup. This is pretty much the key moment where the Republican Party finally purchased Alabama lock, stock, and barrel. Took him long enough. This dude is such an elephant, he offered a book entitled Storming the State House, the campaign that liberated Alabama from 136 years of Democrat rule. So, Hubbard getting taken down is like the kingpin getting taken in at the end of Daredevil. He is the speaker of ill intent. Now, as you can imagine, this big fat domino would have knocked over plenty of others on his way down. So, the Republican Sweet Tea Mafia, as I like to call them, mobilized to do everything they could to sabotage this case. And this led them to Baron... Everything Coleman. Yes, his name is actually Baron. I was thinking that was a title, because, uh, you know, again, Alabama is still a little bit like the Middle Ages, so I wasn't sure. You know, Baron Von Coleman or something. No, he would be Cowboy Von Coleman in that. Cowboy Alabama legislator Baron Von Coleman. No, as a political consultant, lawyer, conservative talk show host, and former door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman, of course. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Baron Coleman is essentially the Carl Rove of Alabama politics. And they threw this dude out there like this was a 1999 Pokemon trading card battle and he was fucking Charizard. On January 11th, 2016, Coleman came to the offices of the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency, or ALEA, remember that acronym, wanting specifically to talk to their head honcho, Spencer Collier. Claiming to be worried about his safety, Coleman was moved to, I swear to God, this is a thing, the secret headquarters of ALEA's Fusion Center and Intelligence Operation. I swear to God we have one of those, and I swear to God its location is top secret. <laughs> 
I, I wonder if they've ever worked in conjunction with SLED. I hope so. God almighty, I hope so. Led by Deputy Director Jim Justice. SLED and Ayla taking down corrupt politicians. No, Coleman met with Collier there and told him that he'd had between 50 to 100 conversations with the man leading the Hubbard investigation, Deputy Attorney General Matt Hart. And that's where I immediately call bullshit, because if you cannot tell between 50 conversations and 100 conversations, you are clearly pulling things out of your ass. This is Hart, guy. Is he a state attorney or a federal U.S. attorney? He's state. Now, in these alleged conversations of dubious plentitude, Hart had leaked sensitive information directly from the grand jury to Coleman, who, as the host of a radio show, was technically a member of the press. And this would have violated Alabama's grand jury secrecy law and rendered the whole case bunk. Bunk, I tell you. Now, it's very important for me to note here that this sinister plot had absolutely no chance of working. And nobody was more aware of this than the Sweet Tea Mafia. I'm not going to go into the complicated legal specifics here because, well, they're fucking complicated legal specifics. But Coleman's accusations were done in a very semantical, I'm going to do this here, then this here, then talk to this person here, then file this thing here kind of way. So it's very clear that the point of this was just to get the trial delayed as many times as possible and waste as much of the prosecution's time as they possibly could. Because these are how things work in Alabama. We're like Chinatown. Like, uh, the election you're coming up, a lot of these people who are under investigation, are they up for re-election? Yep. Mike Hubbard, in particular, is up for election this year, and despite being under indictment, has refused to resign. How about the governor? Is he... Is he up really, or is like, is this his first term or his second term? Uh, this is his second term, and we'll get to that in the epilogue. This epilogue, that's how you know it's a good story. Now, this plot thankfully didn't succeed because the prosecution called that fucking bluff, and they told the ALEA, "Hell yeah, we talked to Coleman. <laughs> we were probing him for information on Hubbard, and here's documentation proving that he was actually our confidential informant on the case." Boom. And they cranked up Soldier Boy and drank a 40. <laughs> and this claim was immediately backed up by an unlikely source. The Office of Attorney General, Big Luther Strange. Yes, I was waiting. I wanted someone to come in. Now, we just need Roy Moore, Cowboy Bob, and it would be a complete set. Normally, this would have been a victory for Deputy Attorney General Hart and the prosecution and basic human decency. But unfortunately... As head of ALEA, Spencer Collier had to report directly to two people, Governor Robert Bentley and his doctor girlfriend, Rebecca Mason. So Bentley flat out told Collier to just tell the prosecution that they were still under investigation and keep the attorney general's corroboration a secret so the trial could be delayed as long as humanly possible. Because this is how Alabama politics works. Uh, I'd say that's all politics, okay? Alabama politics in particular are hilariously corrupt, though, because they're so transparent in their corruption. Uh, you don't get more corrupt than old-timey Southern corrupt. I feel like old-timey Southern corrupt and, like, urban 1800s uh, Northern city corrupt. Those are, like, the two most corrupt. That one, I think, like, the classic textbook definition of corrupt. And also Russian corrupt. Let's not get... I, I feel like, like... That is a whole other level, James. Like, and if this, if this were taking place in Russia, they'd all be dead by now. And then you have the entire school of corruption unto itself, that is, New Jersey. You're right. 
But to his credit, Collier immediately said bull to the shit and signed an affidavit that cleared Hart of any wrongdoing. Collier was then called into a meeting with Bentley, who proceeded to tear him a new asshole over refusing to break the law and promptly suspended him. It wasn't until after Collier left that something dawned on him. Also seated in that room was Bentley's private lawyer, Joe Epsey. In addition to being Bentley's longtime lawyer, Epsi also represents dozens of other movers and shakers in the Alabama political world, at least two of whom will most likely be called in as witnesses in the Mike Hubbard trial. And Bentley had just tricked Collier into discussing important trial details in front of this man. My God. Because Alabama... By the way, as a side note, this is in no way relevant, but I wanted to point out that one of the expected witnesses in the trial who Epsi is representing is Jimmy Rain, CEO of Great Southern Wood, <laughs> who Alabamians the world over will recognize as the Yellow Fella, the company's mascot. <laughs> Have I, I want to say I've heard of this guy. The company's mascot who stars in the Great Southern Wood commercials where Rain dresses up as a yellow cowboy and reenacts scenes from old westerns. Because when you're rich and white, you can do literally anything with your money and get away with it. Seriously, I, I'm going to play one of these commercials at the end of the show. It's like old white man fantasy camp. It's like this, clearly a CEO of a company, <laughs> walks out dressed in a cartoony cowboy outfit, and he battles bad dudes in a saloon. And then rides away on a horse, and it all has something to do with wood. I just looked at it. I remember that. I've seen these commercials before. God. So I remember my first thought was that, man, Dick Tracy's really let himself go. <laughs> now, the Monday following the meeting, Bentley ordered mass firings at the ALEA in what would come to be known as the Monday Massacre. <laughs> and Bentley didn't just fire these people. They were super fired. One employee said his insurance was terminated at exactly 5 p.m. that day. And Collier, who was still on suspension, found out he was fired over Twitter. <laughs> like, he was just trying to see what Kanye was up to, and I was like, oh, shit, I'm out of a job. Kanye tweeted him, you fired, fam. And in his place, Bentley appointed his bodyguard as head of the ALEA. This is what you do, run in a totalitarian regime. What I love about that is that's the exact same thing Voldemort did whenever he took over Hogwarts in the last <laughs> Harry Potter book. Oh, my God. I've got a theory. On the back of Bentley's head is the deformed ghost of George Wallace. So, Matt, who, 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 who do you think was in charge of keeping Bentley's affair a secret? Um, hmm. The man who had been keeping a lid on all this was Spencer fucking Collier. <laughs> and in one of the most satisfying cases of getting revenge on your boss I have ever seen, Collier went public that very evening with what he knew about Bentley's evolving with both sabotaging the Hubbard case and, just to add insult to injury, made sure everyone in the state knew what a creepy little pervert their governor was. Unfortunately, the unintended side effect of that was that, of course, nobody cares about the fact that Bentley tried to derail a corruption case, and they only care about him getting his dick sucked. That's always what happens. Now, despite Rebecca Mason resigning as whatever, she whatever the hell she was <laughs> from that job she may or may not have actually had, Bentley has maintained that he is going to stay in position as governor until he is forced out, which has the entire uh, legal foundation of Alabama scrambling to figure out 
how they can get rid of Bentley. Because here's the thing. Uh, Alabama has never impeached a governor. And I swear to God, Alabama's top lawmakers do not know how they would do that. They are working around the clock studying legal texts as we speak to find out if they legally can impeach the governor. <laughs> because they don't know. Um, usually, uh, if Alabama, again, I'm not going to make this assumption, but if Alabama's constitution was based on the U.S. constitution, like almost all of the constitutions were, um, the House would impeach him and then he would be convicted by the Senate. Like they would, they would, the, the House, the lower chamber would indict him and the upper chamber would be the jury, essentially, the judge's injury in the trial. But, again, this Alabama, I don't know. And also, I assume Alabama, the Republicans control both houses, so that might be a little hard to do. Well, you have to also keep in mind, this isn't just Alabama. This is the South. No region of the world has a more, I'm going to say, incestuous <laughs> and complicated legal system. Like These are the states where it's illegal to take off your shirt in front of a portrait of the president <laughs> on a Tuesday. So they're, they have to wade through a sea of footnotes and weird addendums <laughs> and court cases decided by a chimpanzee with a gavel before they figure out what their next move is. Turns out from 1878 to 1876, our governor was a tangerine. Who knew? They sure did. But the, I think the last governor who got him was, uh, and I know it's it's not the same thing, but Maybe very similar circumstances in terms of corruption, but Rob Blagojevich in Illinois. But Illinois, that's pretty much par for the course for up governors, because I think like six of the last eight governors of Illinois have all went to federal prison for corruption. Well, God, look at our state where we just got over our last governor being indicted for mass corruption. Oh, really? That happened? And one of these days, I'm going to dedicate an entire episode to Commissioner Freeman Jockish and his murder trial. I think we've talked about that before, off the podcast. Oh yeah, that thing is just a Coen Brothers movie. Like that's that again. That's an entire episode. I was gonna say I was gonna bring up my former governor, South Carolina, Mark Sanford. I don't know if you remember, like in two thousand nine, he got in trouble because he disappeared for like uh, two or three days without no, without any warning or explanation. Turned out he flew to Argentina to be with his girlfriend. You, I think we discussed this on one of the first episodes. Like he, he didn't he claim that he was lost in the Appalachian Trail or yeah, something? Yeah, he did. And then but it was a big, long investigation. As far as they could tell, he never spent any state money on the trips. Um, so you're just an asshole. <laughs> now we've got a, a governor who, as far as I know, has done anything shady. I don't think so. I have to look it up. Like, she uh, did help bring the Confederate flag down, so I'll give her props for that. I, just, I cannot think of any more fitting epilogue to this story that embattled Governor Robert Bentley, the man who is the head of state of Alabama, cannot be removed from office despite massive corruption, due to Alabama being too Alabama. Corruption doomed him, and corruption is currently saving him. It's like the, the whole man fucking horse thing. Technically, there's nothing that says we can impeach him, so I guess we can't. I just, you mentioned Chinatown earlier. I just imagine you like looking on this scene with horror, and like someone takes your arm. Leave it alone, James. It's Alabama. You slowly walk off into the night. And on that note, now that's all I've got for this episode. You had anything else you want to talk about, Matt? Um, nothing. I can't wait till the next episode. All right. Well, before we go, I'd like to say, because we very rarely end these podcasts professionally, <laughs> to please, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review, if you would. Say something nice, please. Matt, Matt needs the boost to his self-esteem so badly. I, I keep refreshing iTunes, hoping to see something, anything. 
It's never there. Pretend you're rating a video on Pornhub and give us a five-star rating. And also, racist comments are welcome, like on Pornhub. (laughs) And you can check us out, again, on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. You can check us out on belowbiblebelt.blogspot.com. The guy who is squatting on belowthebiblebelt.blogspot is just a son of a bitch. And you can check out all of the pulp podcasts at pulppodcastnetwork.wordpress.com. And also, you can now check me out on a brand new podcast with a good friend of Matt and I, Corey McCreary. We are the hosts of Supergirl Power Hour, in which every episode we read old Silver Age Supergirl comics and recoil in horror at the evils of Superman. Um, I object to the notion of checking you out. I'm just the way God made me, Matt. And until the South rises again, I've been James. Baron Von Mant. And you've just been Below the Bible Belt. Good lady. Here he comes, sitting high in the saddle, right and wrongs wherever he can. A man of the West in a hat and vest, yellow fella, what a man. On the mighty steed named Lamb and Drum, he can ride like the western wind. Whoopin' villains, it's a fact, till they won't come back, yellow fella, yep, that's him. From Mayor Prescott over in Rockwood. Trouble in Rockwood, stop. Rot, decay, and termites taking over, stop. Need help. Careful, I'm pretty sure I'm being followed, and there's three of them. Headed to Rotwood. Not if I can help it. Yellowwood.com. So, there's actually something that I wanted to talk about that happened to me, uh, work related, uh, as well. I don't know where you can fit this in, but I'm trying to be vague. <laughs> yes, person. Um, there was an incident, no, but, um, so, um, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but the last few months I've been split in time at work between the store I work at normally and another store. Um, this other store is run by a lady who used, I used to work with. She became the store manager. Um, and she asked me to come in and fill, I come I only go once a week. And I'm like, I'm supposed to go tomorrow and work. But, um, the problem with that is, is that the days that I have to work are almost always days that, uh, my girlfriend is off from work. So it was getting kind of miffed. And I said, hey, can I, you know, how long do I have to be here? Cause, you know, she was trying to find someone to replace the lady who quit. She was like, okay, well, I've got this lady. I'm going to, um, promote her. I was like, okay, good. And she said, after this week, this will be your last week. And then I went through, and then a week after that, she started calling me and said, hey, can you help me out? Because this, 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 this girl's calling out now after I promoted her. Oh, what's going on? She says her dog's sick. I was like, yeah, that's a bullshit excuse. And the reason why I knew it was a bullshit excuse is because this girl I was working with, who she promoted, we were working together. The last week, I was, the last day I was there, before I left, and she was super excited because she had a husband who had been overseas in the military and gotten back home suddenly, uh, was, re- you know, back from deployment. And she was super excited to see him, and I felt like it was no coincidence that um, her dog suddenly ends up sick the same time her husband returns. And, you know, and then I told her that. I said, you know, her husband's back. And she said, I didn't know that. I'm like, oh, she didn't tell you her husband's back. Interesting. Like, yeah, she's all getting some undone. Well, it got even more interesting because... One day, I got a call from the store manager. She's like, hey, I need you to work at my store next week and the week after that at least till I can get somebody. I'm like, what's going on? I'm firing that girl. I'm like, oh, she, why? She called. She said she called me Monday and said she couldn't come to work because 
This is her excuse. I, I, I want to mention this excuse because this is at the same time the best and worst excuse I think I've ever heard someone say. She said she can't come into work because her husband, who was deployed overseas, was kidnapped by ISIS. <laughs> what? That's what she said. She was kidnapped. He was kidnapped by ISIS in a classified U.S. Army mission in the Middle East. Um. Wait, wait, wait. How big of an asshole she's go- is she going to feel like when she finds out she was right? Like, that man who came home was not her husband. <laughs> it's a sleeper sale. Hello, ma'am. Time for sex. <laughs> um, but she was like, I knew she, she was talking on the phone. I knew it was bullshit right away because, you know, who gets kidnapped by ISIS? And it's not on the news. And she said, I did some digging. And I saw he was on Facebook. How the hell, she said, how the hell is he going to be on Facebook if he's kidnapped by ISIS? I said, you never know. He could be, you know. Did you see? I said, did you see what pages he liked? Did he like, like, the ISIS Facebook page? <laughs> <laughs> that could be a tip-off. And she said, she told the girl, she said, if he, again, this lady didn't know that she knew that her husband was back from overseas. And she's like, well, if he is captured, there's nothing you can do about it here. Um, so come into work, take your mind off of it. And she did come into work, but she did like a real shitty job at work. She left some money out and she didn't close the safe properly and all the stuff that would get you fired. Um, and so she fired her and she got to talking. And I think the reason this guy, the reason she was so antsy, and the reason her husband came home super early is I think he came home on his own accord. Like, he left the army early when he wasn't supposed to. Um, well, like he's a mutineer? Like, like going, either going AWOL or what we'd call that is desertion. Jesus. Um, and that's what the woman I was talking to, the store manager, mentioned her maybe going AWOL, maybe her husband going AWOL. So I said, well, huh. the, I said, the luck you have, and I'm not surprised that you picked a uh, wife of an army deserter to run your store. Because that seems to be the look she's having. She's like, so Wednesday, can you come in these at least a couple weeks and work two to close for me? I was like, ah, I'd love to, but she's got some bad news. My girlfriend got kidnapped by Kim Jong-un. She's hanging out in North Korea. She's making a movie for him. Yep. Um, can't do it. She's like, ah, funny. I was like, you think I'm joking? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to bring that up because, again, I've, <laughs> I'm astounded that someone would, because I've heard, you know, you hear a lot of, a lot of stupid excuses. Um, but none so bold as that. To, to just bring geopolitical affairs into a Dollar General situation. I applaud. For all you know, though, that could be part of their role-playing. Like, maybe that cock is being detained by her own ISIS. All right, now you're getting too, a little too close to, to my own personal fantasies. They're, they're organizing a release at the moment. Those beers aren't the only hairy body parts. Sex. Penises going into vaginas leading to ejaculation. Is that how it works? I thought it was something to do with fingers. That's what I learned the birds and the bees class. See, because we didn't have sex ed down here. We had birds and bees. They were like, the bird, the, the bee pollinates the flower and dies because it was a sinner. And the bird eats the bee. Because it, it symbolizes God's vengeance. <laughs> and we end there. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that in after the credits. This has been a Pulp Podcast production. As we all know, Superman arrived on Earth in a space rocket long ago, when he was Super Baby. The Man of Steel has always thought he was the sole survivor of the tragic catastrophe that destroyed his home world, Krypton. But fate has many strange twists. For this is not an ordinary tale of Superman, but the launching of a new member of our Super Family. So, without further ado, we take pride in introducing... Great Guns! I seem to see a youngster flying dressed in a super costume. It must be an illusion. 
Look again, Superman. It's me, Supergirl. And I'm real. The Supergirl Power Hour. A monthly look at the Maid of Might. As we all know, Superman arrived on Earth in a space rocket long ago, when he was Super Baby. The Man of Steel has always thought he was the sole survivor of the tragic catastrophe that destroyed his home world, Krypton. But fate has many strange twists, for this is not an ordinary tale of Superman, but the launching of a new member of our Super Family. So, without further ado, we take pride in introducing... Great Guns! I seem to see a youngster flying, dressed in a super costume. It must be an illusion. Look again, Superman. It's me, Supergirl. And I'm real. The Supergirl Power Hour. A monthly look at the Maid of Might. May I ask what you hope to achieve with this podcast? Those directors created these movies. They filled them with subtext, motifs, messages. They deserve to be discussed. The answer is irrelevant. Movies are simply entertainment, nothing more. Does it matter what they mean? Yes. Yes, it does. I don't understand. Well, Cody, I guess that's because I'm a human being. And you're a robot. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's quite all right. Box office pulp. Big things have small beginnings. Hands up! So did Mike and MB post the wayward commentary to the internet. And having no further concern, the boys sought podcasting adventure in the West. Many wars and feuds did they chat about. Honor and fear were heed upon their name. In time, they became internet kings by their own hand. This story shall also be told. Pulp Nightmare, a podcast undreamed of. Ah, hello there. I didn't hear you come in. My name is Cody Elft, but you've come to hear about the next dynamic podcast from the Pulp Podcast Network. I haven't personally listened to this new podcast, but as its producer, I am contractually obligated to inform you about how gosh darn fantastic it is. And boy is it. In life, the great hero Hercules faced 12 labors. He fought the Nemean Lion, the Lernian Hydra, the Cerberus, the Hellhound of Hades. He stole the girdle from Hippolyta, queen of the Amazons. He even traded barbs with an animated James Woods, and his sucker punched the mighty Thor in the face. But now, he faces a greater challenge than all of those tests combined into one giant ball of challenge. Now, Herc must face off against his most challenging foe in Pulp Podcast Network's thrilling new show. 
Hercules versus the podcast. Hercules possessed a strength the world had never seen. Oh, Hercules, 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 Hercules. Hercules, deliver us from this curse. Hercules, strongest man alive. No man is superior to Hercules. Truly, human nature changes little. We may be civilized on the surface, but down deep, we are primitive. He goes directly at Caligula and impales him. So in comes his horse. Oh no, the wild card. You hear an iron dink as it ricochets off his brass balls. And Lucas says, you are one ugly motherfucker. He dies of dysentery. Dysentery is where you die of extreme diarrhea. <laughs> he caught the shits and he died. Conjectural combat. Where the factual and the fictional meet for fisticuffs. will come to order. The Legion of Pulp is now in session. In a moment, iTunes... Yes, Quizmotron? I was wondering, Emperor Palpatine, if I could, perhaps... Box Office Pulp thinks we need a few items to pawn on the black market. Box Office Pulp guy, you have a podcast dedicated to movie analysis. Pinhead, your pleasure puzzles are deadly. Isaac, you've... You've got corn! Corn? What more do you need? How about a nuclear warhead? What? All other supervillains have them. With a nuclear warhead, I should leave all of the podcasts to tear themselves apart with paranoia. Box off his Pope wants a magic lasso to hang himself with. Can I get a ship in a bottle kit? I demand more corn. To make my own ship in a bottle. Oh, enough of this. The hell do I look like, Santa Claus? We're wasting valuable time. Right now, my Pope drones are rewriting Apple's code to make our podcast number one on iTunes. Excuse me, Emperor. Quizmotron, what is it? All Quizmotron wants is pants. A decent pair of pants. Darth Vader wants pants, too. Order! Order! Tune in next week at hopepodcastnetwork.wordpress.com I don't even know how I deal with any of you on a daily basis.